of folks, you're very welcome along this uh, Tuesday evening to the, the Monday Night Show. What about that? How's that for a start? Tuesday evening for the Monday Night Show. Of course, last night we were very, very busy in Oma uh, at the final game in the Senior Club Championship, first round. Super game that it was. I have to say the standard has been brilliant. But it's good to be back on air and lots to talk about. And of course, good to have Damien and Kevin with us as well tonight. And I suppose, lads, the first thing we've got to start with is the announcement from the government in Dublin that uh, there has been a change, Damien, in terms of uh, the numbers of spectators at various sporting events. That's right. No, no it looks like uh, the it looks like the South have uh, moved to a, a blanket ban on all spectators, really, for the next uh, till at least the thirteenth of September. Um, which is, I think, right in the sense of the day before the county trim is due back. Um, so that's a, that's a that's a huge, uh, at least significant um, thing for the for the obviously for the GA in the south. Um, and it'll be interesting to see because the GA have now got a decision to make over the next probably twenty four hours as to you know the impact of that on the rest of the organisation, and it's obviously going to it may or may not have an impact here. In the north, it's bound to, because I, I just can't see where, even though we may be two different jurisdictions, so to speak, uh, it's going to be an interesting situation where we, we may be allowed to do one thing and the guys down south may not. Kevin, your view on the uh, the situation as regards uh, that, that news that came out of Dublin today with the, uh, the blanket ban being talked about on spectators until the 13th of September? And just on, on that, I wonder, was that date? Is that date significant? You know, the fact that the county teams were about or were to go back to training, collective training, the following day, the 14th? Uh, perhaps it was, no, but obviously it's not the news we were all looking for. Um, you know, there was late at the end of the tunnel there a number of weeks ago when we all got our club football back and things seemed to be moving along nicely, but this last couple of weeks, or maybe even more so this last week there, the, um, the numbers seemed to be rising again, both here and down south. and. Uh, they talk about this second wave. Um, I suppose, in a way, Ireland's been been fortunate compared to other countries that they haven't perhaps suffered as much. But um, we are going to have this second wave that they've predicted, and um, I think it's going just going to come at the time where um, the where the county season will be preparing to get underway and are restarting again. I'd have to say um, the news will be worrying from that point of view. I think. I think if we we've been fortunate enough, we're halfway through our, our club leagues now, and with um, the first round of senior championship, played the intermediate championship to follow this weekend, and the junior championship. So, I think it'll be a case of one step at a time. I think if we get our club season read up, we'll be doing well. I think the, I have to say at this point in time, from my point of view, I think the uh, county season has to be under under doubt whether it's going to restart again. Uh, interesting thing, uh, and Damien, I'm interested to hear your view on this. <laughs> That uh, schools are opening, uh, restaurants are, are busy, and there's all sorts of uh, normality, shall we say, taking place. But yet, and all open air, and uh, we, we, we can't uh, go out and uh, enjoy uh, activities that are out in the open and, and well, well and truly spread out. I'd be interested to see the number of games that have been played over the last number of weeks uh, in both Gaelic football and, and Hurling and Camogie. As I say, Gaelic football, Hurling and Camogie. And of course, ladies' football as well. Uh, and compare that to the number of cases that have been of COVID, because uh, I would say, considering that so much of our activity takes place uh, right across the whole of the island and uh, an open air, and people can go along and watch, and yet, all the number of COVID cases that, that exist 
as I say, it'd be interesting to see how they how they compare uh, for, to the number of games. But anyway, that's the situation we find ourselves in. You know, just on that point, you know, I, I was reading a, a tweet from John Fogarty a wee bit earlier on. Uh, I'd say I completely concur with what he's saying. Sport equals low hanging fruit when it comes to this sort of you know COVID situation. Um, and it seems to be the number one enemy, um, and we'll shut it down, and we'll shut anything down through spectators around it. But as you say, you can you can go to a restaurant, you can put 150 people in a restaurant, and as long as they're um, you know, socially spaced out and underneath a roof, this doesn't seem to be an issue. Um, so it seems a, a slightly ludicrous, but obviously the powers that be are more interested in the coffers coming through their own. Uh, through their own tax returns, I suppose, uh, than you know the people attending games and very well spread out. Like you know, there was people in Oma last night. There's only four hundred people allowed into the, into Oma last night, and um, they were fairly well spread out as far as I'm concerned. To eighteen thousand is the capacity of that stadium. It's just it's ludicrous that we 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 can't you know people are sensible about moving in and out of grounds these days. People do give each other space. Um, it just seems madness that in an open air event, that uh, it just seems to be the first easy kill for for governments, um, and just to shut it down. Something that seems anti health, uh, if uh, healthy activity, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll take Damien up on that there too. Sorry, no, to take Damien up on that. Uh, like the opening game of the championship last Thursday night in in Eden Dark, which was. Uh, I suppose the, the, the tie around everybody looking forward to the derby between Clannan and Clannow and what a night it was in terms of weather and, and the, the, the venue was supreme and uh, just so unfortunate that it was only the amount of num- number that was allowed into it but when you take um, what you're hearing that the, you know, there's probably more people watch the game in two or three venues within the county and just what Damien said there you know, it doesn't make sense that that three or four hundred people can be inside in, in a congested room watching watching a game of football. Um, you'd think it'd be a lot safer if they had been uh, walked a mile or two up the road and been able to watch it out in the open. Yeah, and of course, uh, the other thing, uh, two, two points to make, uh, is with down south, uh, as long as you're willing to spend nine euro and buy a sandwich, you can go into a bar and, and, and uh, socialise all you want. So the nine euro could be the key, and I'd like to know what is in the sandwich that prevents the spread of COVID, but... Uh, I'm sure we'll not know about that. But the other thing, of course, was the airports are kept open and people are flying in from places like Houston and Texas where there were large numbers of, of uh, COVID cases and all the rest. Another word was said about it. So, listen, it just says it seems to be, as you said, Damien, the low-hanging fruit, that's a type of sport. And you said a very healthy activity where people are out. Their, their, their mental health, as much as anything, I think is probably more important than anything else. But the young people are out there enjoying themselves. The, the people from the parish are out watching, supporting and taking part. And listen, how that is seen as a danger to the country uh, is, is beyond me. But interesting um, to know, just on that final point on that, no, it'll be interesting to know um, how much of a consultation there was between the Irish government and Crook Park on this, because it seems strange that they, that the Crook Park haven't issued a statement almost on, immediately on the back of this. So I would say the chances are, you know, okay, they're only one sporting organisation, but it seems to be a, again another lack of sort of joined up thinking. Um, the statements put out by the by the Irish government this evening, and yet we've yet to hear from anything from any of the major sporting organisations, including the GAA. They don't seem to have a statement ready to go, um, and that would suggest that there's been very little or no consultation once again. So we we'll say just pick off, pick off sport, and move on. You know, it seems it's and I think 
Crow Park really should be going back pretty firmly uh, in their stance around this year and saying, look, lads, there's other things you could be, you could be, uh, you could be attacking here, and certainly sports shouldn't go on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, lots to talk about from the weekend, of course, and lots to look ahead to this weekend. But before we could, I suppose we should mention there's a change of venue at the weekend. Rock versus Moortown game is taking place in Donald Moore, not Quill Island. So, Kevin, we won't have the run and the race that we had last Saturday when we had to try to get across to Quill Island from Galway. Uh, I think this weekend should be slightly easier. We'll not even have, you know, you'll not even have to leave the parish. It'll be a real handy one for you to get a cover. A real handy one. Look, it's just look, it's just another weekend, isn't it? You throw in the round the league, we'll we'll um we'll try and fit in nine games this weekend. Sure. So what else would you be at? Ah, uh, listen, what a weekend! Uh, uh, you two boys may not necessarily agree with me, but I can tell you, <laughs> it was a feast of football. It's the sort of thing that the guys in Sky and BBC would just go mad for. It really was a feast of football. And just then, I it caught me a long time. I used to say to the wife that I was going to going to football, and I just tell her I'm going to work. So. I sort of get us <laughs> as a way getting around that, Noel. Absolutely. Well, it was a great, great weekend of football. All began, of course, back last Wednesday night with that junior primary game between Drum Quinn and Fintna out of Clannabogan. Won very convincingly by Drum Quinn and poor Fintna. I think they suffered a, a bit of a bounce at the weekend too in the league where they got quite a, 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 a heavy uh, defeat against Esper in the local derby. But the Senior Football Championship, Damien, all gone underway and in Collider last, or in Eden Dark, I beg your pardon, last uh, Thursday night. What a game. Two, as Kevin mentioned earlier there, two big, big rivals and it was uh, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, two of the heavyweights. We should, just before we move off to the win match, I wanted to wish our, our best to uh, Danny Points, who picked up a very serious injury that evening in uh, the raw. I think he fractured his femur, which is... it's uh, Horrendous blow for for him, and it'll probably signal it could well signal the end of his career at this stage. But uh, you know, it's uh, I say our thoughts are with him, and I hope he he's, he's a fast and fast healer, and he's uh, well on the road to recovery now. Since the weekend, I know he went through. I think he went through an operation at the weekend for to get that reset. So good luck to him. Um, yeah, that was a it was a that uh, a battle of the heavyweights. Then, as you say, Noel on. Uh, on Thursday night, and it looked like those two teams, Kevin, from your perspective, you looked, you looked up close and personal with them there along the sideline. Those two teams, um, it could have went either way, and Kalilin probably had to win, win the game twice. It probably did, you know, but I think, as I said at the time, it was, it was two teams, like the rumours coming out of Clonow was that the, the, the two or three men that weren't much fit or weren't, were carrying wee knocks into the game, and um, you know, if PJ Lavery hadn't played any league football, like PJ has been one of the best club footballers in, in Toronto this last ten years or more. Uh, Patrick Doris hadn't played any football. Carly Doris um, was carrying a hamstring injury into the game, then to lose uh, highly influential Stephen McNulty. With, uh, I was talking to Stephen after no one remember he was just the, the, yeah. the bus was behind our car. And, Stephen, his knee had dislodged his, his kneecap or, or whatever it was. I don't think it was uh, maybe ligaments, but I, I can't confirm that. But you know, for Clonoe to go into the game, um, taking a gamble, I suppose, with you know them three, them three or four name five matches, they're all synonymous with, with Clonoe's success over this last decade or more. And I think in, in the in the in championship battle, when um, on a real warm night and, and things like that, you could maybe afford to carry perhaps one, but I think the fact that they they had so many key players that weren't 
two injury weren't 100% fit, uh, probably come back to bite them. They've done very well to, uh, to go in at le- on level terms in, in the first half because I thought Colleen had been the better team, probably four or five points the better team, but they were brilliant goal from Bailey Leonard, but just from Stoke at half-time, uh, Skeet put Darrell McGee through and he finished in style. And there's no doubt Clano would have been more than happy to go in at the break on level terms, but I think just in the second half... Um, Colleen just uh, that wee bit of fitness and the fact that they were, apart from Paddy Humphrey, I suppose, were relatively injury-free. And I think in the finish-up, um, fully deserved a win with, with Plunkett Keane and, and players like that there playing a major, major role. Uh, well, again, they mentioned, no, Kevin mentioned, obviously, the role, the influence of Plunkett Keane on the game. He was, uh, I think he finished the game with 1-3 from play. He was just outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah, and again, we all know the quality of player that Plunky is. We all know the engine that he has on him. And I think Stephen McNally gave him the, the greatest compliment of that. They said, we don't know if he's 26 or 37, but he played like <laughs> but he played with an experienced head. And I mean, what impressed me most about Colleen was they defended as a unit and they attacked as a unit. And that attack was with fantastic speed. Young Quinn, Bailey Leonard, young uh, Heron, it was, it was just brilliant to watch them. And they, they were so controlled, so composed. And I'd say, Cormac O'Hagan, I thought, too, had an outstanding game for, for Colleen as well. This looks like a team on a mission, and they, they really did put their, their, their opponents to the sword. But I have to say that I think the player that Colleen or that uh, Cano missed most of all was Danny McNulty. Danny McNulty was a massive, massive loss. So we watched him, Kevin, warming up. They warmed up at half pace, really, and we knew that he wasn't going to make it. And I think Colleen was able to see that. Well, the lads were saying afterwards, I think, a big down. Um had done the warm-up and maybe felt a, a twins in the hamstring as well. And, of course, like, you know, a massive, massive player for Clano. And, uh, you know, that's an, like that's, that's four or five. That's a, that's a third of their team there. We're talking about that were either injured or picked up injuries. And, uh, you know, that's a Clano team. Them lads have all got a couple of championship medals. And you take that experience out of a team, it's, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you look at Colleen there, Polly Humphrey wasn't fit to play, but they could draw an experience like Niall Kerr, Stephen McNally, Plunkett Keane, Paddy McNeese. Um, you know, that's the thing about Colleen. They've, they've got that try. Louis O'Neill. Louis O'Neill again. Louis O'Neill full back in the, when they won the championship back in, in, in 2010 and was away for a few years there travelling. But he just, he just fitted in as if he was never away. Um, that's the thing of this Colleen team. Like you know, Polly Hampstead, a massive, massive loss. But you know, they were able to get by on, on the night without him. And uh, you mentioned the pace, you no, know, the pace was which they come from, especially in the middle third of the field. And you mentioned there Bailey Leonard and um, Peter Hearn and Cormac O'Hagan. The amount of times that Cormac O'Hagan free right through the middle of that Clano defence in the first half, and to say probably Colleen would be would have been disappointed not to have been four or five points up at half-time instead of level terms. But look, they didn't let it affect them and uh, deservedly booked their place in the, in the quarter-final. And, and from what I've seen of, of all the games so far, they're definitely, I think, they're the team to beat. Yeah. Well, the movement then on to uh, Oma on Friday night where uh, Kelly Clockert three points to spare over Jack Moore. Noel, a Kelly Clockert team that uh, probably could have won this game by a few more points, but... Again, they found Carrick more a little more difficult to shake off than than, uh, than uh, we expected, maybe. Well, well, uh, again, all the talk coming into this game was that Kelly Clark won it easy, and I think that was that was uh, uh, somewhat disrespectful to Carrick Moore in the cha- championship tradition. Carrick Moore very, very rarely go out 
and play championship football and don't give it 100%. And that's exactly what I was expecting from them. Kilgore started very, very well. And Damien, I think we were looking at it, and we reckoned they could be probably seven or eight clear before Kyle Moore actually managed to get a, the, the first score. But that's Kyle Moore, they hang in and they hang on, and, and they, they then make life very, very difficult. And that's exactly what they did. Kilgore at times struggled to put them away. Uh, I thought that uh, they, they overdid the, 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 the passing somewhat in, in, in the first half. And a mistake in the forward line, a ball that wasn't uh, claimed that should have been led to a break from Carrick Moore and the goal they got that brought them. But it wasn't as entertaining a game as the, the game on Thursday night, but it still was a real good championship battle. And I think it's indicative of, of how close things are between teams in Tyrone, and particularly that derby element in Kilikar and Carrick Moore, even though there's, there's 10 or 14 miles between them, it's still considered a bit of a derby. And uh, just like the night before, a lot of com- competitive football, a lot of big hits. And uh, it didn't disappoint, but it didn't come as a big surprise that Kilclare held on to win by the three points. Yeah, I suppose the movement of Mark Bradley up front in the, in the first half really uh, paid dividends from Kilclare's perspective. Uh, again, Martin Swift, once again, as another halfback, was uh, a bit of a colossus in there. He's a, he's, a, he's a stopper in there, Noel, maybe out of the same uh, book as yourself. Um, uh, the two McCanns, they didn't really, you know, they didn't fire on the night, but they maybe just did enough to get to get the job done in the end. Yeah, uh, well, the first of all, there's three McCanns and a young three Yeah, three McCanns. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm thinking of the two county McCanns. The two, oh, two county McCanns, uh, very, very good. I must, I must refer to that as the two county McCanns and and Oshin. But uh, no, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think Marty, Marty Swift again, experienced in championship football, himself and Conor Gormley, two outstanding players over the last 15, 20 years really in club football and they've been absolutely magnificent for their clubs and again they, they produced the goods when it was required um, I, again I think uh, Kelly you're right I mean there were no really apart from Mark Bradley's contribution there was no significant big individual performances but they did what they had to do and the good thing is this they got into the quarter final the clash with Tullick and the three McCann's as you mentioned and several others maybe didn't produce the goods the way they did but they did enough to win and that was all that mattered yeah, certainly. And then off to Galway and then Saturday afternoon, Lock McCrory 2.13, Dungannon 2.23. And anybody that would have, uh, wouldn't have would uh, have known the, the ins and outs of this game, Kevin, would have thought that was a pretty handy victory for Dungannon in the end of the high scoring encounter. But it was far from that. Well, it's just been a blessing for me and my old observer days, Damien, getting them out of scores to write about. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, if you weren't at the game in 10 point, uh, win for the Clarks on the scoreboard, but definitely wasn't, um, didn't paint the full picture. Um, for large fans there, me and Noel were, were there and we, we said the same thing, you know, and Lock McCoy were there winning the dirty ball. Clarks looked to bet the team. Paul Donahue kicked maybe five of their first six points. There's a couple of goal chances, just maybe took a pass too, too many. Um, but Jahar Gallagher had two opportunist goals and that gave Luck McCrory uh, just a, a great boost in terms of um, energy and, and whatever. And they went in at half time in front. Um, I'm sure they couldn't believe that that was the case. Uh, Chris Raverty, Colly Holmes and the rest of the Clarks management team had a bit of work to do to you know, to try and get their lads seed up again because the Clarks had been the better team. But again, in the second half, it was nip and tucked and again it started to come into it more started to compete more, I felt, and uh, we're still going into an injury time at the end of the game that it all to do, they were two points behind, but perhaps in the past, uh, they mightn't have got the result, but they, they kept plugging away and didn't go for the goal 
you know, Paul Donnelly took his free and they relied on the, on their their ability to maybe produce another chance. And uh, you know, that's when you want your inspirational players, your team captain, Paddy McNulty. He stepped up when um, maybe others. It was, it was time was really, really it was gone, and uh, Paddy hit over a brilliant equaliser, last kick of the, of the of normal time to take a taxi time and. We've seen that happen so many times in the past. The team that probably should have won the game in normal time, they'd just be deflated when that happens. It probably felt like a defeat for Lock McCurry, and that's certainly the way it was in, uh, in extra time when Dungannon's class probably shone through in the ability. Um, probably of all the games I've seen at the weekend, their, their, their bench, the players, they, the calibre of players they took off the bench was probably more superior to any other games I've seen. You know, the two Joneses, uh, Kiefer Morgan, come on and scored a goal. Just their bench and um, played a major, major role in um, in Dungannon progressing. But you have to feel sorry for Lock McCrory because they played their part in a, in a real end-to-end thriller and uh, will definitely feel that they left behind them in, in normal time. Yeah, no doubt about that, Noel. It was a, just the, the, the extra time period there just uh, was a complete, it was almost like a completely different game of football. Yeah, it was. I have to say, great credit to Lock McCrory Club. And, uh, and listen, you know, the soft words won't, won't, won't rest easy with them because the truth is this, they went out to do a job and they did a job. In fact, uh, and I, 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 this is not a criticism at all because uh, I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant uh, game. But if, if uh, Lock McCrory had taken, I think it was uh, Dermot Gallagher, a great chance of a goal very, very late in the game, Kevin. A brilliant, brilliant move, the length of the field, a lovely bit of intricate hand passing. And he just got on the end of it, four or five yards out. But Darren Martin did just enough to sort of half smother the space and young Gallagher settled for a point. At that stage, everybody in the place thought it was enough. Two points, and we've seen it before, it was enough that they've gone, gone ahead and won the game. That wasn't the case. But uh, Dungallon showed great quality, great character, and come back to the draw. And as Kevin rightly said, uh, extra time, the quality they brought from the bench, particularly about Kiefer Morgan and, and the two Joneses, absolutely super. The pace that they brought in, and again, uh, the tired legs, very, very warm day. Uh, great, great setup that Galway have there. It was brilliant to watch it when we watched it. Uh, it was just a clinker of a game, and it just continued that great theme of championship matches. And uh, Dungallon pulled away to win comfortably in the end. But they knew at the end. Of it. We spoke to Chris Harper, he spoke to Matthew Watts. They knew that they'd been in a real battle, a real battle. Uh, I certainly did. And then it was across, of course, then to Coal Island on Saturday evening, where Arbo had uh, 17 points against Dunlop Wars. 3-7. I think it would be a bit unfair to say that Arbo fell over the line, kicking 17 points. But uh, it was a it, it was one of those games we sort of build this one last week as a as a huge turning point in the season of both those teams. Yeah. Well, that said, both teams were then you know four and zero from from their league games, but of course it was all about the championship. And in many ways, it was a very similar game to to Galway or. Our bow were, were the better team, but Don Moore's ability to strike for goals kept them in the game. Um, again, I think I think Don Moore were Don Moore were a couple of points in front at half time. Two brilliant goals, Tiernan Drain and Shea Hamill. Um, they were allowed to run maybe 30, 40 meters, but when they got when they got within range, they, they took their, their chances with a plum and, and our bow keeper Roland Cassie has no chance for either of them. But uh, significantly, Arbo got the last point of the first half, and I think kicked the first seven of the second half. And at that stage, Noel, they were playing brilliant football, as good a football as maybe we've seen all weekend, uh, eight in a row. And they were they were playing with pace, and they were playing with confidence, and they were taking their scores. And 
there only seemed to be that there was going to be um, one outcome and then um, Dermot McAleer pounced for an now well taken down more goal and when that score went in, it, it, it just gave Dan Moore a new lease of life and, and they kicked a couple of points and all of a sudden uh, Arbo were holding on from a from a position of dominance and uh, Dan Moore had three chances in the last two minutes to at least four four sacks to time but they failed to take them. But again, um, ideal way for Arbo to, to go through the next round because they know themselves have plenty to work on but Arbo and, and Dungan will be a very, very interesting quarter final, I wouldn't like to call it. Yeah, no, well, they will fancy themselves against Dungannon. They probably think, you know, obviously Dungannon won the league encounter mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back, but they'll, uh, our will sense an opportunity here. And um, I suppose the loss of, was it Tiernan Drain go off in the second half? Was that a blow to Donald Moore? It was, it certainly was. But the interesting thing was, a couple of points I'll make. First thing is the role, Kevin, it'll be interesting to hear your view on this, of the water break, because it's amazing how momentum changes with that, with that water break. And the second thing is, uh, we often hear the, 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 the phrase from the sideline, we heard many of them on Saturday night in Cull Island, get it to the shooter, get it to the shooter. But the number of times that Donald Moore moved the ball from very, very uh, advantageous positions to have the shot, <coughs> running trailing by a point, they were, by a point. They were looking aiming for the absolute, you know, the, the percentage score. And it just seemed to me a futile exercise because there were guys in really good positions. Uh, close to the centre where the shot was on and he didn't take it and he moved the ball out very, very wide and then eventually up losing the, the, the chance of a score, which was an awful pity. But no, listen, our ball fancy chances, no doubt about it. I thought that they produced some marvellous football, particularly in the second half, both defensively and in attack. And again, a bit like Colin and uh, Kevin, the pace at which they come and the, and the movement that they have and the quality that they have they have plenty of forwards there who give anybody the the the, the of it, and themselves in the gallon. I think that that quarter final could possibly be one of the ties of the round. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's two teams that um, you know, they've got over the first round. Some one of them's going to be sitting in the semi final, and uh, I tell you, you wouldn't want to be meeting either of them in the semi final because the two of them have gone into that game. Whoever comes to that that quarter final of momentum, and you know, Arabo won a semi final. They're still a club with, with championship tradition. Dunyan are an up-and-coming team with a lot of quality young players. and They get to the semi-final as well. They'll try and grasp that opportunity. But just to go back to what you mentioned there about uh, I can't go away without saying the water break. I just I just think it's a complete nonsense. Um, I don't know where it's come out of or whatever. But um, I just I think the GAA, it's, it's, um, even certain league games and that there now that... Uh, you know, more or less, you're saying, you know, play, uh, management or whatever aren't allowed on the field to give. You know, how can you tell if a, a fella has to wait 17 or 18 minutes to get a drink? And, and plus, I've seen it one match in particular, the way, you know, the sight of, of, of 15 players in management in a huddle, you've got one minute for everybody to get a drink and to tell them a bit of an instruction. The next minute, the whistle was blown. Like, there was one match in particular where the whistle was just blown and, and there's a sight of. 10 or 12 players charging it, running to meet another 10 or 12 because the game had restarted. I think it's, I think it's a complete nonsense and that's just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> well, for anybody that's got any doubt there, I think Kevin Kelly's pretty undecided about the water break, so I'm sure... Uh, hold, hold on a wee second there. No, does this to get a wee water break here, boy? <laughs> okay, folks, we're, we're moving on to uh, the Sunday afternoon game of course, it started at 2 o'clock in Dungannon on Sunday afternoon. Uh, 
Derry Lachan, 2-10, Moy 15 points, and Kevin, the performance of the weekend, no doubt about it. Hands down, it, uh, it was uh, an incredible performance from a man on a losing team. Well, certainly from an attacking point of view, like Michael Conroy was, was certainly the best forward I've seen on view um, in the eight first round games. You know, for a player, um, he was he was top of the scoring charts there after a couple of rounds, um, scoring heavily for the Moyen and unfortunately picked up a recurrence of the shoulder injury again and the talk was he, he had to have an operation and his season was over. But, um, I'm sure Derry Lachlan had, allowed, had tried to plan from being there, but... It was a surprise when we come in and he was announced to be playing. But you know, in the first half, he um, he kicked three or four frees. When maybe thought he got one point from playing, maybe thought right with the moist him here for free kicks. But my God, in the second half, Damien on three scores that he took from way out in the left wing, one after the other. They were every one of them was worth the mission fee, um, and he just was a lad that was at the, the complete top of his game. Um, nothing was a bother to him. Every time he got the ball in the second half, there was panic in the Derry Lachan defence. Derry Lachan didn't score in the last quarter. In the in the, you know for three quarters of the game, the Derry Lachan played some fine defensive football, but they broke it at at pace. And uh, Big Brand Candy going through under, there was nothing stopping him crashing on ball to the net. And um, probably the pass of the of the eight games I seen was Kieran Quinn's pass for um, for Conor McCabe's second goal. I just cut the slice the, the my defence open and, and McCabe with the presence of mind to go home or go through and, and hammer the ball home. But you know, seven points up very long and be very disappointed to put the handbrake on. They retreated and um you know, Michael Conroy and on form, I think I think he could nearly have tucked checkouts and put them over the bar. But unfortunately, in in cases like this when when and a player is so good, um he, he was faced with a very, very difficult free um with the last check of the game and he put it wide but I think we said at the time Damien about a minute or two earlier he was free in the middle for a wee pop pass and he didn't get it he'd have been in front of you know 45 metres out in front of the post maybe could have took a few yards and would have been in, in a better better angle for a shot but look that's the way it is but I suppose over the course of the game in terms of um, of a team ethic I, I think Gary Lachlan just about deserved their win yeah, I think we spoke to Kevin Corey after the game, uh, Kevin, and he, he did he did say that it was more about getting the result there for, uh, on, on, on Sunday afternoon than anything else. But you can see the way that Derry Lachan are going about their business. They are packing their defence. They are trying to hit people on that fast break. And we know they have dangerous boards. You know, they're, they're not a team that uh, Kalein will take too lightly in terms of the, of the performances or their, you know, their, I suppose, how they're going to set up. We'll, we'll probably know how they'll set up. But they've got scoring forwards, and uh, certainly um, the, the guys that can cause damage. Well, you've got scoring forwards, you've always got a chance. Like, you know, you've, you've Dara Kearney, you've Tomas Kearney, you've uh, Kieran Gervin, you've Kieran Quinn, you've Fergal McCaskey. You know, they're, they're all very good forwards, and they all score heavily for Derry and have been for, for a number of years. And you're big Kennedy in the middle of the field, you go back to you know, Liam Gervin, who's been a classy player for a long time for Derry Long as well. Like his brother Kieran, an all earned minor winner. You throw Higgins back in defence there. Martin McStavick, centre half back, an all earned minor winner from what, 19 years ago? Um, but he never put a foot wrong in the heart of that defence. Very, very shrewd operator, moves the ball. All he seems to, one of these players, if the ball seems to, to go to him, which is a sign of a classy player. And uh, you know, Derry Lachlan will, will go in. That was you know them and the Moy. 
it was a game that both sides really, really wanted to win because it, it, it kept the season going. And uh, we're very lucky to be going into the quarter final. It's massive underdogs against Colleen, but they'll be relishing it. They have not, absolutely nothing to lose. And um, we didn't mention Colleen had got all their own way. No, we didn't mention James Donnelly there, who, who hit not <laughs> the day as well. James Donnelly as well. That's yeah. the main top scorer. Completely forgot about James. So James. James had three or four unbelievable scores in the first half. And, uh, you know, when Derry Lachlan were attacking, Damien, they, they had them options all the time. There's not just one go-to man. There's three or four fellas that on their day can take on a defender and take their score. So, yeah. you know, feel like Derry, Derry Lachlan will set up, set up defensively, but when they break, they'll break at pace. And uh, it'll just be interesting to see how the Colonial defence cope with that. Yeah, they feel like a team, Noel, that'll probably keep out of hand, that'll hang around for a while in, in Division 1 as well, because, you know, we are so used to hearing about the, you know, the Tomas Carnage of this world and Fergal uh, McCaskey kicking freeze, but now we've unearthed another, another free taker and James Donnelly just steps up and hits everything now. So they're a team that uh, is on the rise. Well, David, we watched it that day where they played in Trillic and we streamed the game live, and uh, we were hugely impressed with their second half performance. I think they took a wee while, as you say, the development system of play, the development of style, and the development uh, in terms of, of uh, belief uh, and, and, and team, team ethic. And it showed that day because they made life for, for Trillick in the second half very, very difficult. They were 8-5 eight, eight, ahead or 8-6 ahead going to injury time and lost the, the game because of a snap goal from Niall Gormley. But they, they showed enough that day to, to me to think that this is a team that's certainly <laughs> hold their own senior football and if they can keep the likes of like Brian Kennedy the likes of Donnelly and the likes of Kieran Quinn boys that get free from injury and very importantly as Kevin said Martin McStavick who is a, you know he's one of these guys who just seems to be a magnet to the ball and he uses it so well he never panics uh, he uses the ball well he controls the defence and with that sort of a system that sort of a setup, they know they know their limitations can we say they also know their strengths and they, they, they play to their strengths and listen uh, anybody who thinks that they're going to play uh, Coal Island in the quarterfinals is cannon fodder. Well, I think they need to look again at, uh, at, at, at the way that they that, that long play. Okay, so then it was off, of course, down to Lock McCrory on uh, Sunday afternoon as well, where uh, Oma took on Dramore in the uh, in the championship, of course. And uh, it was another ding-dong battle between those two, uh, Dramore coming out on top of the end. Yeah, Dramore, I think, uh, in, in fairness, uh, some people did, did, didn't agree with me. I, I wasn't that impressed with the game myself. I thought that in the second half of the game, uh, it was nip and tuck. There wasn't a lot between the two teams, but it, it lacked the, the real cut and thrust of, of, of championship football. Or more unfortunate that they lost key players at different times in the game. Hugh Gallagher went early, massive loss to them. Eventually, they lost Kieran McLaughlin as well. That, that was a huge, uh, huge cost. Um, but there was very, very little between them. But I had to say, when I thought when, when Roland. Uh, O'Neill sank the penalty when he did. I thought that Omo won ahead and won it. But Dromore showed great character. Last year, if you remember, Dromore got absolutely tanked by Trillick. And I think that a lot of Dromore guys spent a bit of time soul searching and asking themselves questions about character. And that's something that uh, you've always associated with Dromore teams. They're a very, very committed bunch of players, they're a very, very committed club. And they come out on Sunday and they refuse to accept defeat. And the, the one player uh, we interviewed. Uh, Kevin Peter Teig, who, who drove absolutely everything forward at every opportunity he get, he could get. But the the goal that won it, or the score that won it, Kevin, uh, I'll be interested to hear your take on this one. 
was uh, the uh, now sudden goal. What a goal! What a run, Neil McNabb, and it was just one of those things that was that that just the entire the game just switched uh, was was basically decided on on that one move. Well, that's it. Like you know, we mentioned there a few other teams there, but players coming off the bench and having an impact now. Magpie is as a classy wee player. Like when he did come on, he hit a brilliant point from out in the left wing as well. But uh, the goal, he just got that ball in the middle of the field and he told one or two in the next minute. The whole the whole thing it was a tight game throughout, but the whole home defence just seemed to part open. But uh, you know, he run through thirty or forty yards, but it's only a one-point game at that time. It was him having the presence of mind too. Like when you're confronted with a goalkeeper, you fist the ball over the bar or whatever, but he had the presence of mind to, um, to see Niles running inside. And you have to give Niles a lot of credit too because, you know, when Mike Pye took off, he could have said, well, let him go on ahead himself. He had to keep up the run and he was he was there every bit of the road with him and, and was there to, to palm the ball into the net, which, which ultimately proved to be the... The winning score and Andrew McGrath was an our player come off the bench and got a goal from Dermore as well. So, um, and Peter Teague, as you mentioned, uh, won an all star team talk all star last year, full back. But, um, we'll mention that to him afterwards. He wouldn't be uh, renowned for his scoring ability, but come out of the game with four points and uh, a big physical presence, full of running. And, uh, Dermore, as usual, very tight in defence. The Arlon McNabb, um, had a, had a great hour as well. And, um, no, this more team will take a lot from that game because, like the Killeen and Clonoe game, it probably featured two teams that have really serious designs on the O'Neill Cup. And uh, for Drumore to come out of that with a win uh, will give them a massive, massive boost. And of course, it's, it's not going to get any easier for America. Can you wait in the quarter final? Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. Um, 10 different scores uh, Drumore had on the day as well, which is very impressive. Uh, uh, and that man, uh, McCusker's had it again. Oh, McCusker. Stop top scoring or one three during that game. So then the last game on Sunday evening, of course, is the game between Argyll Cairn and Pomeroy, a one twenty to eleven point victory for Argyll Cairn. And the unfortunate thing from a Pomeroy perspective, uh, on this one, no, this game was over fairly early on. Yeah, fairly early. They may have thought that uh, Argyll Cairn. Interestingly, uh, anybody who watched Argyll Cairn's performance last year in the county final and then watched the performance on uh, Sunday night against uh, Pomeroy, we noticed that. But there's a different style of play. There's none of this uh, lateral passing and, and constant uh, recycling the ball. They were really going at pace and really going forward with purpose. And I think one of the big or main reasons, obviously, is the fact that Peter Hart was playing quite deep or, or close, close to goal. Uh, the opposition goal will provide him with a very, very useful outlet. But Oren Robinson, Damien, I thought, was absolutely outstanding. For a young fella, he, he certainly has bulked out of it, but he's grown a bit. But he really was a, a, a menace uh, to the Pomeroy defence on Sunday night. The, anything at all that came within his, his uh, area, he was one of them. He tortured them. He really did. He got out in front. He won the ball. He took scores. He created opportunities. Uh, the goal that he took was a clinker. Absolutely superb finish uh, down to Martin McCreesh's left-hand post. Fantastic finish. But overall, I thought that Neil Kelly mastered the event. Uh, Aidan McCrory was there as well. Uh, it was a really, really good defensive setup, first of all, for, for Argyll. And when they, when they broke in the middle of the field, Ben McDonald was a colossus, I thought, as well, and around the centre field. But they just, it, despite the fact that the, the Poise McInnelly, Peter Oak McCartan, and Derek Canavan, that, that much vaunted trio were missing, they looked like a team that, that are on a mission and know what they're about. They played as a purpose on, on Sunday night. They made Pomeroy look very, very ordinary. 
and the Cromoy team that were, were you know, Frank Burns and, and uh, Keir McGeary, Keith Pat McGeary and so on, you know, well backbone, but they just couldn't cause the Argyle defence any, any real sustained problems. And then when they lost Brenton Burns to the red card, I mean, you know yourself, it was only a question of uh, by how much that the Argyle care were going to win. Yeah, you get the sense, Kevin, this year that this Argyle team, they are on a real mission. And they seem to be throwing a lot of resource at it as well in terms of getting the right people involved. And, you know, um, like they have a man there from the loop that uh, obviously has one or two championship medals, very championship medals under his belt as well. So he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll know what it is to win championships. Uh, I know Johnny Kelly's in there helping out in the background team as well, from a goalkeeping perspective as well. So, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're a team that are on a mission, Kevin. They are too. Like, but like over this last few years, when when the um, their management team was made up of club men as well, they, I felt they made progress as well. They were getting the league fans, they were getting the championship fans. They weren't getting over the line, but that was all character building. Like you have to go back to twenty twelve for for the last time Argyll won the championship, which is um you know for for a club that um want to be contesting all the, the major titles every year. That's that's a long time for them, but. I suppose they have. They've come close this last couple of years there in a couple of finals, and they, um, they want this year to, to, to end that gap from from the last O'Neill Cup success. And as you said, there they played with a lot of attack and flair on on Sunday night. I suppose it was it was a mixture of you know how good Argyll were, how poor Pomeroy were. Um, I've no doubt they're more and not not given afford them the same space in the quarter final, but. Listen, it's it's um it's just the the, the beauty of the whole Tyrone Championship. As I mentioned earlier on, a couple of big hitters are already out, and already has a few tasty quarterfinals um on the cards next weekend. And um, you know, it's, it's not a tough one to call because they're more looked like a different team than they were last year. And um, that league success, the beat Argyle, of course, in the league final last year up in in, in Fintma. and uh, now it's repeated that league final in the quarter in the quarterfinal of the championship and. Uh, it's going to be a close one to call as well. You know, two two good teams, two good management teams, two setups, two two clubs that have know what it takes to win championships. But it's going to be the end of the road for some one of them. And um, you know, again, it's, it's going to be very very difficult to call. Eric again, as you said there, Noel or Damien, uh, they seem to be playing with a bit more freedom this year. Um, but. It will be a different cat to face when they come up against this than more defence because they're definitely not being as charitable as Pomeroy were. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that. And that, that sort of brings us to an end of the senior championship. There's no other football played, was there? Oh, no, sorry. There was a Monday night uh, game last night, uh, which we'll have to come to. Of course, the county champions, the remaining county champions still in the picture after last night. Um, but this was one of those games that with even with 56, 57, 58 minutes in it uh, gone, Noel, there was only a kick of the ball between the two teams. And, uh, you know, the county champions probably just showed a bit more know-how to get over the line. Hey, well, funny, uh, you know, I often say that uh, you're not going to learn finals and, and the winning manager uh, always gets everything right. And, you know, post-match is always, always about how, how well everything went. And obviously, the region manager, the region management setup, had done several things wrong. It's, it's never that. It's never black and white, and that's never the case. I have to say that. Um, but a little bit of luck. They rubbed the green. I mentioned Liam, Liam Donnelly after. They rubbed the green. Went very, very much Sonic's way. The first, the, the goal they got in the first half was a, a, a brilliant block by a Galway defender that bounced off a, a ricochet 
They ended up in young Gardy's hands. He couldn't believe it. It was like all his Christmases had come at once. That was the first thing. And the second thing was that uh, three brilliant opportunities for goals from, from Galway. Um, I think Cormac Donnelly, Daniel Kerr, and maybe Ronan, Big Ronan, I think, had, had uh, the opportunities to take scores, or maybe one of the guards. I can't remember exactly, but great opportunities, but they were denied by tremendous defending, great blocks, great tackles, and so on. But you're right, Damien, all the walls were one kick between them. But when, when um, <coughs> Galby didn't take their chances, uh, Tulloch then showed what you do. They were down the field, Lee Brennan converted a superb free. And young Gailey popped over a lovely point late in the, in, in the game to win it by five. Five points was never a fair reflection of that game. It was anything but a five-point game. Uh, Tulloch, as you said, championship news, championship quality, championship tradition, it always comes out and they get by. And the most important thing from their point of view is they get by the first round because that's all they have to do. As winning champions, that's when you're the most vulnerable. They showed some in, in, in uh, particular passages last night that they are certainly capable of defending the title. But that, that, that examination that, that uh, Galway gave them last night will be exactly what they wanted in terms of preparation for the quarterfinals. For credit to Galway, I'm not um, being sweet to Kevin on this, but they deserve great credit because they contributed handsomely to another brilliant uh, first round throw and senior championship match. Yeah, and we look at the performance of the players on the field, I suppose, Noel, and Lee Brannan checking those points, those, all those scores from last night, six, six points he kicked last night. Some huge freeze at, at critical times in the game. Whenever Galway were just starting to get a bit of a foothold back in the game, but I thought performance of the night from from my perspective, and it wasn't from a forward this time. Conor Quinn was outstanding in, in, the, in the Galway defence, wasn't he? Conor Quinn was an absolute class. I think Kevin has been telling me about Conor Quinn for the last ten years, and uh, it's not that I just, uh, would in any way doubt what Kevin tells me. Kevin Kelly tells me when he values or rates a footballer. But this is a lad who he's spoken very, very high of. And he is now starting to fulfil his potential. But he, he I, I don't think Matty Donnelly was ever as well marked in a club championship match as he was last night. Con- Connor Quinn absolutely bossed uh, that particular battle. And, you know, uh, I, I think that the Galway, when you look at it, and look at their age profile and look at the quality they have, Connor Quinn is going to be a colossus for them for years to come. Connor Quinn could well be a colossus for Throne years to come because he has all the credentials that are required. Uh, fine chap that he is, lovely lad, but by God can he play football. And he plays it fair, he plays it hard, and I'll tell you, the heart of that defence, uh, I wouldn't fancy running there, I can tell you that. Kevin, when we look at, uh, I suppose, from your perspective, um, it, it's, it, it, you'll, you'll take a while to sort of get your head around how the game you know, panned out and how things went and the rub of the green in terms of that, that, that ball for the first goal. Um, but in the early light of day, how do you, how do you, how do you view how went from your perspective? And, uh, and <coughs> you know, what does the rest of the season hold for Galway, really? Well, just look what you said there. You know, going up the road last night, we had no doubt we were going to put in a performance. That's the one thing we've, we've, uh, we've, we know of a lot of quality, a, a squad of quality players, but we've a lot of pride in the jersey as well. We knew that... Uh, Everybody maybe outside the circle was writing us off, but we knew that we were we were going to put in a performance in, in Healy Park. And you know, John and Minty and Aidan and the, the rest of the lads had had them well prepared. The homework was done, and uh, I suppose some of the things uh, were, there's a lot of things went right for us. Of, of Have we lost? Yeah, we're losing Kevin. Yeah. 
No, there's a lot of things went right that we would have planned for and, and they definitely went as, as well as we could have um, anticipated. But look, you can't allow for it. You mentioned there, Noel, there was a block. Not only was it a block, but, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a deflection on the block and went into Gardy's hands. He, he couldn't believe he's where he was. And look, that's football. You, you make your own luck. Um, I think that has been in a couple of games there. We we, we went to Clane a couple of weeks ago there and with three good goal chances. We didn't take any of them. Um, you recovered the, the, the first game in Dalmore that day, Noel, with, with two or three real good goal chances. Um, finished up scoring two goals from penalties. So, um, look, last night with three or four, though, I wouldn't say there were, well, there was maybe one of them a golden a chance, but there was a couple of half chances. Tillich really didn't threaten our goal apart from that, the goal that they got. But having said that, look, uh, that's a measure of that Tillich team, uh, Lee, Lee Brennan. I thought Fergal McGarry done a good enough job on him, but Lee Brennan's just a, a classy act, and I think the on free out in the left wing off the ground to put them four up was the final nail in their coffin, but it just showed what, what, what Lee's capable of doing. He's, he's definitely one of the top uh, club forwards in the county. And uh, look, we're just, we're, we'd take a lot of pride out of the way we played last night, but from our point of view, our season wouldn't be over with three league games left. Derry Lachlan, Oma and Tillich again, so it's a strange sort of season, only a seven-game league, but um, the way our group is, we're I think we're only two points. There's a cluster, there's three teams on six, one on five, and we're on four, so no, we'll, we'll have six points to play for there, and we'll, we'll go out and give it a lash and see where it takes us, because um, you know, it is a very young team um, with a mixture of experience. I can't leave without um, mentioning the performance of Kieran McCrory last yeah. night, too. Yeah. You know, we mentioned Marty McStraffick there early on, uh, Kieran McCrory played in that defence and won that minor all Ireland uh, back in 2001 and he's, he's like a good way now he's mature he's getting better as, as the years go on but um, no that's it look at that's where you that's where you want to be you want to be playing uh, against the top teams like our last four games we played Dremore Clano Kalayland and Trillick so, you know, not, not enough open to the senior champion there. No, if, if you can't learn from that, like, you know, we won, won one of the games, we're a bit by pointing one of them, we're a bit by three points in that one, and, you know, we pushed to like all the way last night. So it's a work in progress, and um, I don't think you've, you've seen the last of that team over the next few years. No, no doubt about it. And uh, I think uh, myself and Noel would know the efforts that Kevin himself has put into that team over the last few while as well. I know he mentions a lot of the other management team there, Noel, but uh, the, the, he's, he's put in a savage effort to get to get those lads where they're at at the minute. And there's no doubt they're going to be a force in senior football for, for in, in the years to come. We're going to turn our attention now, of course, to the Intermediate Championship, which is coming up this weekend. Of course, again, um, a couple of games to start things off on Friday evening, the half-seven throw-ins. For Taddy Ray against Raban up in Newton Stewart, and then uh, Ahalu against Dahiorn. Noel, what way do you see those two games go? Well, funny, I, I was going to mention there, Kevin, uh, we were talking to Killer over the weekend, and uh, he, he was telling us that had he put a fiver on, he'd have been £1,100 up. Uh, the yeah. only thing, he'd have blown it last night because he predicted that the game would be abandoned after 16 minutes. So he got that one wrong, but uh, it's a pity Sean wasn't here. I'm, uh, maybe I'll catch up with him before the weekend to get his predictions on it. Uh, listen, the, the uh, look, Taddy Ray Saban, first one, Damien, is it? Yeah. Uh, 
in uh, the, the Battle of the Border, Ahalu and Ahiyar. And Ahiyar, of course, with Dumbo absolutely flying at the minute. Uh, you wouldn't bet against them. But Ahalu, uh, uh, say they like a, a championship battle, and uh, you wouldn't be prepared to write them off either. But if I was putting a five or a clitoris well-earned money on this one, I think I'd go with uh, a Tally Ray win in the first game and uh, Ahiyar in the second. Yeah, Saban no. uh, suffering a wee bit from confidence uh, in terms of this year again. Some good days, some bad. Um, and that Ahalu side, they'll be a bit sore, um, Kevin, from last year's defeat in the championship. They lost out to the Rock last year over, I think, in Kalishal, that game. Oh, yeah. Pretty bad tempered affair that evening. But it, from from their perspective, they'll, they'll want to try and make things as difficult as possible for Ahalu. Oh, there's no doubt to win on, on what the hell got that winning formula. If you've scored, you've always got a chance, and you have two McGloans are going well. Um, Connor yeah. Monk, I've watched over win various youth titles, so they've got that winning talent. And then to meet the football, I think the next Stevie Downey was on, he, they wanted. What Ahalu want to do is get rid of that tag of being like a yo-yo club where they're back down to junior and to intermediate. They're, they're sitting there, they've, they've won, I think, three games so, so far, far in the league. How far are we, How far are we? Well, um, Noel? Yes, Kevin. Um, you're, you're stuck on the screen here, so can you turn your camera off and on and same with, with, with Kevin? Stuck on the screen. All right, you're better at us, you know. Alright. Right. All right. Yep. We're back on, I think, now. Um, so I think we've got, from, I think we have enough on that, uh, those first two. Um. Okay, so then Saturday afternoon, of course, uh, sees uh, Greencastle take on Stewartstown, Noel. Um, two teams again, you know, Greencastle, poor start to the season from their perspective. Um, and Stewartstown struggling for a wee bit for form as well. Well, sure, I, I thought they were going quite well. Everybody uh, was happy enough for the progress and the, and the way that they were playing. Uh, but the, the championship was always, uh, I suppose, uh, the way the league is, Kevin, I said, the way the league works out this year, it's a nice just introduction to, to the championship. But the guys know that if there's, um, you know, silverware at uh, stake this year, it's going to be the championship, the one that everybody wants. Uh, those two teams are well and truly capable of, of going on a run and actually winning the championship. But you just feel that, you know, with the, I think with Stewart's experience, especially if Manage plays well and, and for them, that could be the difference. You know, they, they, they have that wee edge. And despite the fact that Greencastle with Carl McCullough and all the rest of them, and we watched them last year playing it in front of the lights and the performance they put on that night when they were down to 14 men, absolutely sure. But we know the character that exists within that team. And we know that Sean uh, Tegel had to come out well and truly up for it, but I have a feeling that uh, Puritan just might put them in this game. Yeah, that game in Galway at half four on Saturday afternoon, and then we're across to uh, Kalilan once again, seven o'clock, throw in there for Rock against Murtown. 
And this rock side starting to make a few waves now in, in Division 2, Kevin. They certainly are, and I'll go back to my earlier point about Ahalu. Um, the rock of three or four really, really dangerous forwards. You know, Liam, Liam Newton there is, is scoring for fun at the minute. Aidan McGarty, Conor McGarty is in among the scores. Conor McCreese is home from Australia, which is a, a massive boost for them. Uh, Shane Murphy, who, uh, you know, former Holy Trinity player, middle of the field for the rock. Um, there's a lot of good players coming through, and Martin Hackett has them playing good football. Um, Moortown um, has been hot and cold so far from in the league but of course of two men the two Stevens over them that, that uh, know what it takes to, to manage championship winning teams having, having won the junior and intermediate titles with Taddy Ray uh, Moortown are a club that I suppose uh, a sleeping giant uh, when, you, when you take what, the, what they achieved at underage levels there for, for the last decade it sort of hasn't come through you know, it hasn't bared fruit at, at senior level but they have a number of good players coming through there. Mark Davins won the Springs to Maine, of course. Uh, older brother, Peter. Uh, Brian McLernan is still there. Last year in the championship, them and Gorton served up two cracking games. And, and uh, Gorton just got over the line in the replay at, at Old Rue and Dungan. It's, it's the makings of, of a great championship battle as well. Uh, yeah, well, I think we've got, a, a, we've got enough Kevin there before he just uh, cut out slightly. But, of course, then, Sunday afternoon, four games to Sunday. Uh, the first of those, Nivone against Eglish. Um, and, Noel, this Eglish team uh, starting to find a wee bit of form in Division 2. And it could be a difficult afternoon for Nivone. No, well, well uh, the funny thing is that uh, I think Nivone is starting to find a wee bit of form too, Damien. So, you know, it's obviously a new club, such that that amalgamation between you and Stuart and Dregish. It will take a wee while to 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 uh, blend in well, but uh, they're starting to to you know the produce a couple of performances. Like Kevin and I were discussing about the the performance last weekend. I think at one stage with the six points up against Stewart's trying to hold on for a draw, you know. But uh, you know, they've got an awful tanking against Eden Dork in, in their in their first or maybe the opening or second game of the season. But a lot of teams have suffered at the hands of Eden Dork this year, in Division Two. But Eglish, again, Kevin used the phrase sleeping giant. I think Eglish is a sleeping giant. There's so much talent there coming through, uh, both at, at, at uh, under 14, under 16, under 18. And, you know, the likes of Peter McCann and guys they got there who've brought away for, for, for a number of years. I think that the, with these young lads coming through, young McLean, Luke Donnelly and guys they got, you know, there's just a one or two more options. And I think that uh, if we were to get things right, I think they're a team that could possibly give that championship a real rifle. And then, of course, we move over to, on Saturday afternoon to Dungannon, where Clahar take on Eden Dark. And you can only see one result here, uh, Noel, unless the, unless uh, Clahar really dig in here. This is it's a it's a bit of a David against Goliath, isn't it? It is a bit of a David against Goliath. Damien, again, as I say, from a betting point of view, there's no doubt about it that Eden Dark are very much short odds to win that, that particular battle. But I mean, Clahar. And they've shown us before when, when the chips are down, they know how to dig deep. The likes of Connor Shields and so on, driving them on. They're well capable of, of competing. But this this really and truly, Eden Dork are a senior team in waiting. And uh, you have to say that smart money will have to be an Eden Dork. Quality team, quality players. Although they've lost like Paul Donahue, he's shining for Dungallon in the senior championship. I still think that they have more than enough to win. It'll be about the mental attitude, if the attitude is right, they'll win comfortably. Then, of course, the the, uh, the other half for throw-in is Clutter's neighbours, Ahar, of course, who are taking on Barra. Barra, 
Kevin have made a very, um, very eye-catching start to the season, and things haven't been going so well in Ahar. Um, but Ahar Championship pedigree somewhere in the background there, and you'd expect them to, to have a bit of a fight in this one. Well, a couple of years ago, Damien, they were beaten in the final by Taddy Ray, so they have a bit of pedigree, as you say. But the reports come out of the Ahar camp is that they've been trying there during the league. They haven't really been that bothered with the league. And, and if you look at the table, you can see why you know, they're sitting with no points from five games. Um, I don't know if it's... Uh, uh, I don't think you can turn it off. But you sort of form coming into the championship, but... Uh, the, the, definitely the form team in that game and uh, going into it is Berra. We come up last year through the playoffs, worked very hard to get up and uh, have won four out of their five games, which is which is some going. They're, they're one of three teams who are joined top of that their league group. So uh, the money you would say would be on Berra going by form, but um, if, if you go down to Championship pedigree, our Ahar and I, I'm sure, would, would swap their five league performances for their first win of the season, and that's what they'll be aiming for. And then, Noel, the last game in the evening, over back into Newton Stewart again, Owen Rose up against Gorton, um, and a bit of a local battle there to finish things off with the weekend. Oh, Derby, Damien, and, uh, and Gorton, of course, who have actually they played in, in Newton Stewart in the last couple of years in the championship matches, so it's a, a ground that they're familiar with. Uh, a team that are very, very difficult to beat in their own back garden, but don't travel particularly well. But as um, the most own roles who are an improving team, uh, will be missing Cal uh, McShane. I think that's a huge blow. And anybody watching football at all would, would certainly figure that that will reduce their champ- chances of success. But again, uh, it's about quality finishers and uh, Sean O'Malley has formed for or for a big part for Gorton. I think that uh, it could be a, a win for, uh, for for them. So that about wraps up the uh, Intermediate Championship, of course. Then there were a number of junior games at the weekend as well. Uh, junior League action at the weekend as well. We're starting Group 2. Drumrah 214, Cayman 12 points. Kalishal 110, uh, Brackable 27. So a draw there. Danelli uh, had a home win over Derry Tresk. And uh, Fintna went down to Esker there. So the way things are sitting in Group 2 at the minute, of course, uh, Kildress uh, looking like uh, more and more of the part as they, uh, but they're joined this t- this week now by uh, Esker, who played a game more. Uh, Kalisha, I think they might just be out of the hunt in terms of the uh, league final place, given the fact that they, they dropped a point uh, uh, on the weekend. And then, of course, into Group 1 uh, for, of Division 3, uh, wins at the weekend for uh, Cookson over Aragal, uh, Clannagale over uh, Broca, and Orney, who had a big win over Kalyland thirds. And then uh, the local derby up in uh, Castledurg, a 9.8 victory over Duncan, which keeps Castledurg well in the hunt, hunt there for uh, promotion. Of course, they joined Cookson on nine points, Orney on seven. Um, all these teams have played five games. John Quinn have probably have a bit of work to do now, given the fact they're now on six points and they were defeated by their local rivals at the weekend. So it looks like it's a three-way t- uh, uh, fight yes. for the uh, for the final place for this for the place in Division one, or Division Three rather league final between Cookstown, Castle Derg, and Arnie. And so it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out over the next couple of weeks. But, uh, no, I think that's about wraps us up this week. Um, of course, plenty of action to look forward to. And uh, 
I'm sure we'll uh, be back for Monday night show next week. Monday night show, of course. And again, it's suppose you know, the time uh, skips us. I mean, we don't get a, me- a chance to mention what's going on in ladies' football at the minute. It's a hugely busy time for the end of a massive uh, list of fixtures for the championship this week too. So we wish all them well, and hopefully we may get one of the ladies on next week as a guest that uh, we chat maybe about how things are going. <laughs> Before before we go there, Noel, I'd like to send my best wishes to a big team top follower, Brenda McElduff, who, uh, do you remember one night she joined us uh, to her kitchen window? Um, she was a special guest that night, but uh, Brenda, unfortunately, had a bit of an accident the weekend has broken her arm. So, really? at, um, bad weekend for Brenda, charming out of the championship and breaking her arm, but... Um, she, wasn't trying to give her, she wasn't trying to give her a fence outside a, a ground somewhere, was she, no? <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speculate what happened. But listen, if Brandon's listening in there, or Brandon's sister Christina's listening in there, I'd like to thank or wish Brandon all the best in her recovery. Absolutely, Well, that's us, folks. Thank you, thanks to Kevin. Busy weekend as always. Jimmy says we'll talk to you next Monday, but we'll certainly be out in the about of the week as much as we can. Check our social media. We keep it active, busy, and uh, we. Follow on the football and we hope that you do too. See you next Monday, folks. Thank you very much.